A reading from the second book of Samuel. Now when the king was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But the same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving around in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I command to my shepherd, to my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following my sheep to be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more, and evildoers shall affect afflict them no more as formerly from the time I appointed judges over my people Israel and I will give you rest from all your enemies moreover the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me your throne shall be established forever this is the word of the Lord Hear the word of Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
We probably all feel we've seen quite enough of the inside of our own homes this year. Some may have enjoyed having time to do some clearing out and home improvements, though I gather that there's been a lot of bodged DIY for the professionals to sort out later. For others, though, it's been a real challenge. Some have had to try to live, work and maybe educate children in homes that are overcrowded, inadequate or unsafe. Others have felt isolated and lonely. This year has shown us just how much home matters, for good or ill, and how important it is to feel comfortable there, something far too many people are denied. A home doesn't just provide physical shelter from the elements, but if all is well, emotional security too. We should be able to feel we belong there, whether we live alone or with others. It should be a place where we can be ourselves. In today's Old Testament reading, King David has just built himself a house, a splendid house of cedar wood. He'd started life as a little shepherd boy, probably living out on the hills with the sheep some of the time. As a young man, though, he'd often been on the run, hiding with his band of guerrilla fighters in caves or having to seek shelter with others because King Saul saw him as a rival. But now, after Saul's death, he is king. He's captured the city of Jerusalem and made it his capital city. After all that turmoil and placelessness, David has found his place. He's finally settled in his house, as the reading says. But then he has a thought. He has a fine dwelling, but what about God? Ever since the Israelites had been had first been led into the Promised Land many centuries before, after their escape from Egypt, the people had worshipped God in what was basically a tent. It was a very fine tent, richly festooned with blue, purple and crimson curtains, with cherubim worked into them, according to the instructions given to Moses about its making in the book of Exodus. But it was still a tent. It was the kind of thing that nomadic people used, not those who had a land of their own. It might have been fine when they were wandering in the desert, but surely it couldn't be right now, thought David. God deserved better than this. So David sent for the prophet Nathan and asked him to talk to God about it. God's answer surprised David. God was actually perfectly happy in a tent, thank you very much, close to his own people, where they were. That's where he wanted to be. He didn't want a house of cedar. Eventually he got one anyway. King David's son Solomon built the first temple, and a very splendid one it was. But this story makes it plain that it wasn't God's idea. The building of the temple had far more to do with the human desire for prestige on the part of this fledgling nation than it did with God. A temple was the kind of thing proper nations had, and they wanted to be seen as a proper nation. But God wasn't bothered. The only house he was interested in was the royal house of David, the line of kings he wanted to lead the kingdom, so that it would be a source of blessing for its people and for the world. He wanted to make a place for my people Israel, not a place for himself. The whole earth was God's home after all. He could be at home wherever he chose, with scruffy shepherd boys or magnificent kings. 
In our Gospel reading set many centuries after David, God declared that he was at home in the womb of a young woman from the backwater town of Nazareth. It was a strange sort of home for the Lord of creation, but that was all of a piece with the way God worked, through those who were least and littlest. He would go on to be at home in places where there seemed to be no room for him. A manger would be fine for his cradle. He'd be at home among disreputable tax collectors and prostitutes, rebels and lepers. He'd be at home even on a cross and in a tomb, in the darkness of death. Everywhere we find ourselves, every human situation is also a place where we can find God, perfectly at home, waiting for us, keeping us company there. There's a way of telling the story of the Bible which says that when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and were expelled from the Garden of Eden, a great gulf opened up between them and God, which was only bridged by the cross of Christ. You can even make a neat little diagram of it, with God on one side of this spiritual Grand Canyon and us on the other, with the cross laid between the two. Personally, though, I don't really buy it. Because when I read the Bible, I don't see a God who withdraws into some distant heaven in a horrified huff when Adam and Eve make the wrong choice. It seems to me that when they leave the garden, God goes out into the wide, wild world with them, popping up all over the place, making himself known, appearing to his people in many different ways. He speaks to them through angels, or mysterious strangers like those who wander into Abraham's encampment to tell him that his wife is going to bear the son they've waited so long for. He speaks to them from burning bushes, in visions, in dreams, to guide them or comfort them or challenge them. He leads them through the desert as a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. He's never far away from those who have their eyes and ears open. It may feel to us as if there's sometimes a gulf, as if he's absent, but I think that's our perception, not his reality. He's at home in his creation, at home with us and in us, just as he's always been. This year, as I've said, we've probably got to know our homes very well, maybe too well. But that can be a good thing, because it's given us the chance to discover that our homes, whatever they're like, are also God's home, that he's present in them with us, whatever we feel about them. He's the God who is where we are, who, in Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, as John's Gospel put it. As you listen to these words, you may be in a wide variety of places. Some will be in church when they hear them, others will be at home listening on the podcast or video. The message of these readings, though, is that God is there, wherever we are physically. But that's not all, because he's also with us wherever we are spiritually and emotionally. We might be contented and full of faith today, or we might be downhearted, disappointed, doubting, indifferent, afraid. Wherever we are, though, physically, emotionally and spiritually, These readings remind us that God is there too. He's not afraid of our feelings as we might be. He's not shocked or disappointed by them. He is Emmanuel, God with us, always at home, 
wherever we are. Amen. God, our Redeemer, who prepared the Blessed Virgin Mary to be the mother of your Son, grant that as she looked for his coming as our Saviour, so we may be ready to greet him when he comes again as our Judge, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.